What is going on, guys? This is the first year podcast. We are back after another hiatus. This isn't going to become a thing, we promise, but we've had a lot going on, and we're excited to bring you guys a new episode. We're recording this on our phones because we just wanted to get something out. So, got Tanner here with me as always, and we're going to talk a bunch of nonsense for the next hour. So, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. Feels like uh, an eternity again, but... Yeah, the last month and a half for both of us has been pretty uh, pretty hectic to say the least. Uh, you had a lot of cool stuff going on. My racing season started, and we're in the thick of it. And yeah, stuff's happening really quick. Oh, hundred percent. It's just a lot of um, life just happens, and just got to deal with it and go. Like. I I can't predict half the stuff that was going on with the house and whatnot. It was like, be here this night. Okay, it's a random Wednesday night. I got to go pick stuff up. That's cool. I It's fine, whatever. But it just means we don't get to record. Yeah, but we've had a laundry list of text message conversations of, <laughs> all right, we're going to try and record tonight. And then like 10 minutes before, we're like, well, looks like it's not happening tonight. Try again tomorrow night. Nope, not tomorrow night. Yeah. Right next week. Yep, can't do it this week. We're going to try next week. It's just. It's how it's been. I mean, yeah. when you work full time and then try to do a bunch of stuff outside of work, it gets really, really hard to fit everything in. Yes, it does. <clears throat> committing forty hours a week to somebody else is definitely, um, definitely a challenge when it comes to getting other stuff done. So, but the cool thing is, we're in the house. I'm actually in my office right now on the phone talking to you, which is pretty cool. And it got done. We moved in and been in for this is like a week i want to say um it's just been awesome i still can't i walk around and i can't believe this is like my house because it's just everything's new it's so nice compared to what we had before for you know we lived in a 900 square foot house for 10 years and it was cool we redid you know the first floor of the house um in 2017 i want to say and it was a nice house don't get me wrong we just didn't have a garage there was a lot of stuff that we were you know, not really realizing we were missing out on. And then when we get here, it's like, oh my God, the refrigerator has a water dispenser. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> or like we have a garbage disposal. We don't have to take chicken, you know, that we're done cooking across the road and throw it out in the woods somewhere. Like this, this is cool. There's a lot of little things like that that just keep, you know, we keep thinking of as we've been here. It's just crazy. Yeah. And it's been so cool to watch it from the beginning. I mean, I've, I haven't been there, but just our patients and the pictures and stuff you've been sending me, like seeing it all come together has been pretty cool. And I'm yeah. super happy for you guys. Like you're finally, you got your own office. You're not tucked in a little hole trying to get the best <laughs> internet connection and everything. Yeah. You got a well, garage for projects and it's just really cool. Yeah. No, I'm beyond pumped. Uh, we just got sod put in um this past weekend before a horrendous uh rainstorm rolled through the st louis area and dude it's just been cool so last thing honestly last thing that i just got to get done is setting the garage up for detailing cars and that's already working out really well i've got a lot of it set up the way that i want and it's just doing little things like finding shelving and stuff like that that i don't want to spend a fortune on um because people are proud of their stuff and it's oh, yeah 
crazy what everything is selling for. Like if you go to Lowe's to look up just general shelving you would put in a garage, nothing special, just that wire stuff. Mm-hmm. It's 130 bucks for a six foot tall, like four tier shelf or whatever. I'm like, All right. All right. here we go. Facebook marketplace. Let's roll. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Everything is just through the roof expensive. So yes, but now you have, now you got the blank canvas and you can do it however you want, which is freaking awesome. So I have, it'll become this over time, but this is my like vision for the garage. And I haven't told that many people about this just because I kind of wanted to keep it under wraps. But so that is going to become my detailing shop over the course of the next month. Like May 1st is D day when I am taking in cars on top of working my full-time job, detailing and, polishing ceramic coating all the things the the vision for the garage as far as like the layout goes is i want to be able to open the garage door and people see kind of like a 50s themed uh diner shop type deal so there's going to be a lot of uh, checkerboard chrome red white coloring and it's just going to look really cool so that way whenever people pull in and they see their car for the first time after it gets done Whenever, they, whenever that door opens up, it's a perception of value type thing. They're like, oh my gosh, this is freaking cool. And it makes car look even better than okay. it would if I just put, like, for right now, I'm just getting some, uh, Amazon sells a 10-pack of lighting that you can get for like 100 bucks that are, you can daisy chain them together, which is pretty cool. Yep. And they're 6,000 lumen LED lights. So everybody knows like in the detailing world, lighting is everything. So you got to, it needs to look like daytime in your garage all the time. As soon as you flip the switch, it's got to look good. So that's going to be the start. And over time, it'll turn into the the 50s theme shop. I'm a very old school, classic American person. And that's the kind of stuff that I like. Yeah. Like I said, 10 minutes ago before we started recording, we're the same, but different. Exactly. (laughs) And actually, those that lighting that works really good because I put the exact same stuff in my race trailer. Because before we just had, I think it was just a bunch of used old light fixtures that Dad had got off of a job that they demoed mm-hmm. building or something. They were the long eight foot with the dual tubes and the old ballast. I mean, they weighed a million pounds. <laughs> Bulbs are kind of getting hard to find for them, and I didn't want to convert them to LEDs. And I got like a. I think it was two eight packs and they were like 50 bucks a piece. Oh, that's awesome. And they're all, you just daisy chain together. They just have that little butt connector and you put in the ends and put yeah. it together. And I mean it night and day difference on the lighting in the trailer. So it works really good. Oh yeah. And then I, I almost forgot about this. One of my buddies at work showed me today these, uh, and this is not the first year podcast about lighting. We'll get to racing in a little <laughs> bit. But he showed me these really cool lights off Amazon that you take the bulb out and you spin this uh, fixture in that's it looks like a paddle wheel for a boat yep. almost, yep. and it's all LEDs and it's about ten thousand lumens. Yeah, my and got some of that. I, I was like, "All right, game on! I'm going to get on the Amazon tonight and spend you know a couple hundred bucks on lighting, but I'll be able to hear colors and see sounds, so it'll be awesome." Yeah. <laughs> yeah my dad's got some of those in his garage and they do work really nice is it the ones that are adjustable to where you can adjust the angles of the yeah paddle yeah they're nice 
he showed me a video because he couldn't believe how bright they were. He took a video in his garage and showed it to me earlier today, and I couldn't believe the difference. It it was like having ten of what I'm talking about just in one spot. It was amazing. Oh yeah, they're they're not <clears throat> they're really bright. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I just can't wait to get going uh, cleaning cars. I, I'm being really impatient, but I just want to get the business rolling and start going because it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it's been kind of under wraps for a while and this has been a conversation piece between us for a really long time. Facts. <laughs> so it's been almost a year because I've been talking about it for a while. Yep. Well, and like I said, seeing it all starting to come together. It's yeah. Awesome. It was a crazy master plan that started last May. Um, we maybe in June, I don't really remember which one it was now. Uh, we just started throwing around the idea of putting the house up for sale and didn't know what it would be worth. And I look on, uh, it was Zillow and Realtor.com at the time and said that our house is worth, you know, infinitely more than what we paid for it in 2012. Like a shit ton more. It was insane. I couldn't believe that the housing market had gone that high. Mm. on houses like that. I was like, all right, well, if we're going to do something, we got to do it now. Cause, um, if you follow any trends like classic cars, houses, whatever, um, usually everything comes to a peak, everything comes to a point and it'll stay at that for a little while. So everybody, you can ride the wave for a little bit, but, um, you can see when it's starting to dip down and the housing market, even though houses sold for a shit ton of money last year, went down 22% overall. And so last summer was kind of the tail end of that big swing. And I was like, all right, well, if we, we need to do this now, because if we don't, we're going to miss the boat. So we made a list and worked every weekend to get the house ready for sale. And it sold in four days. For, and we had like 33 people walk through the house, which was freaking crazy. And then we lived in a basement for, you know, about six months, <laughs> Yeah, which was, it, I've been there before and I, we're super fortunate that her parents uh, took that on because it's the two of us plus three dogs, plus all of our, you know, all the bullshit that comes with living with <laughs> people again. So we're just very, very fortunate that they were willing to put up with that for a little while while this was being built. We didn't even know we were going to get to do this. We started talking to a realtor, started looking at houses, and then the idea kind of fell by the wayside. And then we got approved for, you know, being able to do this. And I was like, fuck it, we're going full send, like three car garage, doing all the things. And it, and now I'm here. So it worked out. Like the crazy plan started in May of last year. And now we're finally getting to live the the vision of what that was. So it just goes to show law of attraction. Everything takes time. Like you just got to be patient, keep working at it and shit works out. Except for when it comes to detailing cars, there's no patience left for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's, I don't give a shit if I do it. Like, I don't know. I'm just done waiting. It's going to, ha it's got to happen because there's a lot that I have. I bet a lot riding on, investing in myself and doing the business so it's gotta it, it has to happen i went too far not to do it now so yeah like we have to it was a whole point of getting the big ass garage that we have like didn't have to it wasn't part of that part of the original plan we were going to do like a two car but 
I was like, you know what? I could work out of the garage, not have any overhead other than my house payment and be able to make sandwiches in my own kitchen whenever I want to. Like, it's going to be awesome. Then the goal was to work for myself. So, and that's going to happen within six months after, you know, launching in May. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been cool watching the process along the way and you've worked your tail off for it too. That's that's a main partially why we haven't recorded anything in a while is because you have been at that house like every night for like the last month. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, there's just a it's amazing when in the process of doing that, it's amazing how little they need you at the beginning to do anything. I was like, do we need to go out there this weekend? No. Okay, cool. When they were doing the foundation and stuff like that, then all of a sudden framing goes up and it goes from zero to a hundred real quick. Like oh, you're yeah. out there every weekend, some weekdays and stuff like that, but it's hundred percent worth it because we kept it super clean. It was super easy to do like the, um, the walkthrough cleaning before, you know, you take control of the house and everything, you start moving your stuff back in and it just, it all paid off because we had so many hours doing it beforehand. We didn't have to spend it, you know, scrubbing every square inch of right everything because it was all freaking gross. It was all pretty clean when we were ready to go. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm excited to come see it for the first time. When that's going to be, I have no idea, but when the time comes, I'm pumped. It'll be soon. I have a feeling. I hope so. Yeah. We still got to set up your bed. That's one of the things we haven't done yet. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll come. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, <laughs> this is a funny story. So one of the guys that helped us, uh, move, he's really, he's one of my buddies that I work out with in the mornings. He's a super cool guy and him and his wife can't, or him and his girlfriend, I don't, they're basically married. So I just call it his wife. Um, came and helped us and we put some of the stuff in their car. They volunteered to drive some of the stuff out to the house. And I was like, hell yeah, that's freaking awesome. But whatever, blah, 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 blah. The one thing we needed to put the bed together, we forgot in their car. And it was my fault. Cause I was, I didn't set a reminder or anything to go get the bolts for the bed. So we could put it back together. And <laughs> his name is Danny. And he texted me. He was like, Hey, you know what these are? And he texted me the picture. I was like, all right, well, I don't know when the hell we're going to see each other again before I go get them. So he came out last weekend for this past Saturday for the marathon that myself and a couple other guys from the local supplement superstore participated in. And he was like, guess what I got? He handed, handed me the bolts and like two packages of salt chews and a little gel thing that was freaking gross, but it worked. <laughs> and we did the marathon on saturday which was it went way better than i thought it was going to, to be honest with you I, I i didn't get to train anywhere near as much as i wanted at all not even remotely close putting in no miles almost beforehand finished in just over five hours like five hours two four minutes something like that and didn't break the entire time so going unbroken just means no walking no nothing nothing like that there were no walking breaks or anything just going i just plugged in dale earnhardt jr and went to town listen to the download the entire time <laughs> no that's uh that's a hell of an accomplishment i've i've never ran anything more than a 5k ever and yeah. 
I saw my life flash before my eyes running that. So <laughs> to imagine running another like 23 miles or whatever it is, that's freaking nuts. It sounds really crazy, but once you get into a zone, once you can find a space to go to in your brain and just keep the same pace, it's really not that bad. Like my feet, I've done this. This is the second marathon I've done. The first one was by myself because I was on, I was on, that sounds crazy. I was on the transformation team at first form and they do a, the marathon tradition that they do now. That was the first year of it whenever I was there. And we thought that I had COVID that week. So I didn't get to go or participate or anything. So I had to make it up. I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I didn't know that, you know, shoes, this is going to sound really, really stupid. You guys are going to question my intelligence, but I didn't think about, you know, getting the right shoes or bringing anything. I just brought like random supplements and hope for the best. And dude, at the end of that, you know, it was almost six hours by the time I got done. And by the end of it, I couldn't walk. My feet were shattered. It was dark. I was by myself and I was like, I still got to drive home 35 minutes because it was at a place that was really far away from my house. I was like, so I get home and my feet don't fit my shoes anymore. So I take my shoes off because I could feel like the pulsating <laughs> shit in your feet uh-huh. when your shoes are too tight. So when I took them off, I was like, oh God, this is not going to be good. <laughs> I had to walk in sandals for an entire week at work. Even though it's against dress code, I had to ask my boss. I was like, hey, I literally cannot put my shoes on. Can I wear sandals the rest of the week? And he said, why? I said, because I think both of my feet are shattered on the bottoms. Like, you have tons of bones in your feet. And I was like, I am pretty sure that my feet are shattered. And he goes, you're just being a pussy. Like, whatever. And so he goes, let me see your feet. And I showed him. He goes, oh, God. Put those <laughs> put socks back on. Put those things away. Like, wear sandals. Just do whatever you got to do. He said, can you walk? And I said, kind of. And he goes, all right. Well, as long as you can make it to and from your desk, just show up. And I was like. Bet. All right. <laughs> so this is so much better than the first go around. We got done at two. I went to uh, St. Louis with my wife shortly after, and I've been walking around ever since. It's been fine. I just had to stretch a little bit, and I was good to go. It's like two totally different people did the same fucking challenge. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I really probably should start incorporating some more running, but I'm I just running has never has never been my thing. I do not like it one bit. Nope. Like I don't make a whole lot of excuses for anything, but I will make up any excuse possible to not run. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like one of, (laughs) that sounds like every time I ask, uh, he's one of my best friends. His name is Jake. Every time I ask him, he's like, no, you you have fun with that. Go by yourself. I'm going to be in here lifting weights. Like just, you know, do your thing. You do you. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yes. And I don't know if that's just the meathead in me or what, but I just, I don't know. I it's because, it's because it sucks. It's not fun. It gets boring. It's monotonous. Like if you're, if you're like me, you're not that fast. Um, I was running 11 minute mile times the entire time we were doing the marathon. Like it's nothing super spectacular. It was just deciding to go do, which is the thing. I do it for the mental toughness aspect. I don't do it because I'm good at it. 
because I'm far from good. My buddy Will is good at it. He just qualified for Boston a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was crazy. At a sanctioned event. My buddy Danny, I talked about earlier, qualified for Boston because he's fast as fuck. Me, like five minutes a mile slower than the motherfuckers. I can't keep up. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Danny's not even, Danny's tinier than me too. I'm not huge by any means, but it doesn't look like his little legs are going that fast, but they are. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's just like Speedy Gonzalez and he just drifts away from you. It's like, get back here. I'm also want to throw a rope around him, pull him back, pull the reins back in and be like, hey, I'm not that fast, you little fucker. Get back here. <laughs> So, only other question I got on the marathon deal. What did you end up doing for shoes? Since you said the first time you didn't know about the shoes, what did you do for shoes this time? Um, I have had, excuse me, I've had Brooks running shoes for a while. And these are even, I would consider these wore out by, you know, running shoe standards at this time. Because they have a lot of miles on them. Like I've done 75 hard in them. I've ran done a whole bunch of other stuff in these shoes and we ran through the rain for an hour and they held up great the entire time i had zero complaints at all and they did what they were supposed to do like usually whenever you do marathons or a bunch of uh substantial running your toenails will fall off as gross as that is they'll turn black and blue and they'll fall off like last time all of my toenails fell off all of them it just, they were all black and blue. They all just fell off. Two of them have never grown back right since, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, this time had those Brooks shoes on. I was good to go, man. And they, they're not cheap. They're like 150 bucks for a pair of shoes. But if you're going to do that kind of shit, they're worth it. hundred percent. That's interesting. This time I also had uh salt, salt shoes that Danny gave me and, he told me to put them in at like certain mile markers. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not you. I'm just going to open every time I lose two, I'm going to put two in because they're electrolyte tablets too. Mm-hmm. And I was, so the whole race I had salt shoes. I had, uh, it's called ultra formance from first form. Yep. Um, he, we made, uh, four bottles of it because we were doing laps down, uh, it's in Washington, Missouri. So the riverfront trail is like, uh, give or take eight miles uh, round trip. So we figured that, you know, one bottle every time I came back around would be, would suffice. And it was perfect. So with the help of him, cause he's an experienced runner. He was a, you know, very successful runner in high school too. And so he knew, he knows like all the tricks. I was just like, well, what, what do you got? What do you suggest that I do? Cause I haven't trained that much. And I'm, you know, coming into this like kind of, paranoid a little bit as to what's going to happen and he was like ah you'll be fine just slow it down to what feels comfortable don't worry about time and he goes just do this 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 and this the salt shoes and this that gel thing that tasted like and uh that was just gross i don't know what ass tastes like but that had to have been close that that was just bad (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's awesome and that's it uh it it takes a lot of mental strength to run that far. I give more props to the people that did it that aren't in as good a shape as me that were in that group that did it with me than I do myself because they were hurting like I'm sure. six, 16, 17 miles in 
weren't walking right, where they were fucking hurting, like, bad. And they all did exactly what I didn't want to do. Um, I called it saving tires, but I was just, I was just keeping it at a constant pace, like somewhere around 1105, 11, excuse me, 1102, 1108, you know, mile times. And I started off that way, just going super slow, just conserving, saving what you got. And it worked out really well. They were all like light years ahead of me to start out the race. I couldn't see them for a while. And then just like with a race car, man, um, save your tires like at Martinsville or Darlington or places like that. You start slowly reeling them back in because your lap times don't change and there's due. Were you and trying, that's what happened. Were you trying to judge just off of your lap times or were you watching your heart rate or how were you managing that? Um, so I figured out where my heart rate needs to be. So if you do what's called heart rate training, when you're going to run, you'll figure out your aerobic heart rate, which is your 180 beats per minute minus your age. So since I'm 32, it's 180 minus 32. So I wanted to stay somewhere plus or minus five in that range. And it didn't stress me out. Like I wasn't breathing. I was breathing through my nose for half the time we were running and just clocking miles. That was it. So I kept my heart rate at, you know, 145, 150 beats a minute and just cruised the entire time. And that wound up being like 11 minute mile times because I didn't want to go above it because I knew if I did, I'd gas out and I wouldn't be able to finish. Mm -hmm. So I just held it there and that was it. Hmm. Now, if I had been training the entire time, like I wanted to be, um, that aerobic threshold goes down. So you're, uh, I said that wrong. Your aerobic threshold gets better. So you build what's called like an aerobic baseline. So mine, I think, is probably somewhere around 11-minute mile time. So as you keep running and keep doing it on repeat, you get faster and faster and faster while keeping that same heart rate. So you can run 9, 8, 7-minute mile times at 150 beats a minute, and it doesn't stress your body out because of the repetition. So you build a, a pretty solid foundation and a solid base. And that's when we do, cause I'm running one again because I'm training for, I want to do like 50 milers and hundred milers, but I got to get faster before I can go do those right. because at this pace, I will time out of the cap of what they have for those races. So I got to do, I got to train a lot more, which since we're in the house and settled and stuff like that, get back into a routine, start getting back up at quarter to five, start, you know, eating big breakfast, doing what we talked about earlier going to run, going to lift, going to do whatever before work. Um, that's going to be the, the new regimen right there. I have it written down on a notepad and it's on a reminder thing in my phone actually right now that we're starting that tomorrow or I'm starting that tomorrow. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the, the difference is after like a couple months of consistently just doing like 20 to 26 miles a week. And keeping that heart rate the same every time I run, I really think that I'm going to get down into the nines pretty fast. So are you going to try and run like how many days a week do you think you'll run? Um, it just depends. So usually in 45 minutes, I can do about five miles pretty easily at this rate. So it'll go, the amount of mileage that I can cover will start to go up as I get faster. So it won't take as many days to equal that many miles. But 
the rule of thumb is to try to equal the distance that you want to run in the race throughout the week. So if you do, you know, you divide 26 by seven days and you want to try to run that many miles in seven days, whatever 26 divided by seven is. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't, I'm asking the questions because I know absolutely nothing (laughs) about running. I I didn't either. I I I started watching this. uh, His name is Nick Bear. He's got a podcast about I follow running and I follow him. He's an interesting dude. He's a freaking freak, man. Like the dude is over two hundred pounds, can run a mile in five minutes flat, and he's just a monster. And he can hold it too. He can hold that rate for like endless amounts of time and i'm like what the fuck yeah he uh and he's not a small guy either like he's ripped <laughs> oh he's juiced he's juicy jacked is what he looks like he looks like a bodybuilder that can run really fast oh yeah that's basically what he is pretty much he's strong enough to rip you in half and fast enough to catch you to do it so you won't outrun him either <laughs> that's a dangerous combination He's like a super soldier, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you figure how it's like life side, life Captain America right there. <laughs> what the fuck? No, that's that's interesting stuff. I mean, that's we can talk more about that later. But I was just yeah. genuinely curious about that because, like, my knowledge. If you want to learn how to lift weights and put on size or cut or get strong, I got you. But. <laughs> when it comes to Same. running or training like that, I'm gonna have to send you somewhere else because I I don't have you there. <laughs> well, and it it's kind of crazy. Everything is just a different discipline. Mm-hmm. It just takes. And I don't want to be like my goal is I want to stay around 190 pounds and still be able to keep getting faster. So I'm gonna keep lifting weights. A lot of people quit the weightlifting whenever they run, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be a little twig right yeah it's cool you can run fast but you can't lift a tire like come on man (laughs) well and i that's why i've always been pretty intrigued with uh will grumke too is because he does that hybrid style training yeah he still looks good he's strong as shit and he's fast so pretty good combination i just i've never trained that way minus like sports in high school so that style of training would be completely new to me it's different for sure because you can, like, I can do movements faster than what I ever had before, like in CrossFit or doing any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm also stronger than what I've ever been before, which is a weird combination. Mm-hmm. So you're, you, you never think you can do both of them at the same time, but I, I you can. You can get strong and you can get fast at the same time. You don't have to choose. You just got to do both. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you, amp up the workload a little bit and you can easily you can do both that's possible and there's more and more people that are proving that it's true instead of the old-fashioned way of thinking like well you know he can lift a lot of weight but he can't run worth the shit no there's a lot of people that can now yeah i mean just look at i always i've always looked at this the same in this way like how the fuck can a national like somebody in the nfl right how are they that big and that strong and that fast? It can do everything that they can do 
and we, it, why can't we? Well, why, why not me? Like, why can't I? I've always just asked that question. Everybody's been like, well, you got to choose one thing or the other. I'm like, I really don't think you do. I think you just got to do both. Yeah. I mean, they, they <laughs> prove it every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at people like Tyreek Hill, who was, he's on the Miami Dolphins. Now he was on the Chiefs and he's strong as fuck. Like his legs are tree trunks. Mm. He can squat the moon and he can also outrun almost everybody on the planet. Yep. For endless amounts of time. So there you go. You can have 22 inch arms and run a five minute mile. It's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Get them 24 inch pythons, brother. (laughs) Oh man. No. So, but I'm pumped for you, dude. That's cool. That's, pretty awesome stuff and then you had a little bit of you kind of had a little bit of a health scare there with that possible sports hernia there at one point in time so that oh no it is you did end up having one yeah i do um i refuse to get surgery to get rid of it because it's super invasive so yeah so i have to wear uh it's embarrassing i have to wear um a actual it's like a if you look them up on Amazon, it's a belt that has a uh, a big bulge in the center of it that like keeps it in. I guess when you're doing yeah um, super heavy weights and stuff like that, because if you're doing deadlifts or um, squats or sometimes even bench, you're really bracing with your core. Right. And so when I do that, there's a chance that, that hernia pops out, and when it does, it hurts like a motherfucker. So. I had to get this belt from Amazon to kind of counteract that. It works pretty good. I think at least yeah. it hasn't happened again. When you first found out about that. I mean, that kind of derailed your marathon training and stuff like that. So you've accomplished, yeah, you've accomplished a lot of life milestones in a very short amount of time. So that's cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. We just got to keep the train rolling. Get hot, stay hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the name of the game, man. Well, I didn't honestly didn't know what the fuck I was able to do. Like I, I was on seventy five hard at the time and figured out that I had that thing going on because I was doing bent over rows at Planet Fitness, just doing what I usually do and just up in the rep range. And I, I don't, I, I think I was drawing the weight back up um, to my chest. And I just felt this tear happen in my abdomen. And I was like, that probably isn't good. But like any other dumb dumb that lifts weights, I was like, it went away. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It'll buff out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't pay any attention to it. Went and finished the whole workout, did deadlifts on top of it. And then when I got home, my whole core was real swollen. And I was like, fuck. I think I actually, you know, did it this time. I've had this on going issue for like two years it just finally got bad enough that i had to go to the doctor about mm-hmm. it. it's easy to do, man so, it does not take much no i don't even know how it started it probably it's probably because i didn't know how to lift it i was lifting really heavy weights training for the strongman mm-hmm. competition a couple years ago and i would imagine that may have been what did it but i don't know so from now on i just got to wear a belt and other than that i'm good to go there you go Hurts from time to time. Just takes him a leave and get over it. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's good stuff, man. It's 
that's amazing what you can do whenever you just don't tell yourself you can't for whatever reason. Yeah. There's a lot of truth behind that. It's a, it's a, it's actually, it's in books. It's a limiting um, belief factor is all it is. If you truly believe that you can go do something regardless of what people say or people question your intelligence or question, you know, whatever, as long as you think you can, you can. I think Henry Ford said something to the extent of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. So well, you're living proof of it. So pick one. So. No, it's motivating as hell for me seeing you do stuff because we're pretty similar in a lot of things. And Yeah. Well, I don't have you, on the other hand, get to go race, which is fucking cool. <laughs> Which you've been doing a lot of. Well, the past two weeks, you guys have been setting up your car and getting, you know, everything ready to go. And that's been like the other reason we haven't been on here as much is just because uh, Tanner's been freaking grinding, getting that car put together, like from nothing, putting that car together. Yep. Getting it set up, ready to go. We're four, uh, we're four get... races deep already. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like four. Yeah, because it was two two day shows. Oh, okay. I I'm not used to that. The dirt racing thing throws me for a loop sometimes because I'm like, how did you race nine times in one weekend? And everybody's like, well, we went to this track, this track, and this track, and they had a couple races a piece. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're four nights in already in a matter of two weeks. Yeah. So. It- which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I get one more race in, and that's the same amount of races I ran last year. So, oh wow! <clears throat> so in a matter of three weeks, I'll have as many races as I had in all of 2022. So, wasn't the don't you have 40 or more on the schedule? Yeah, it was 40, and then the first uh, the first weekend, which was a two day deal, that got canceled. So, but there's going to be ones that we pick up that I didn't even have on the schedule because there is some Saturday night options coming up. So there's a good possibility I'll run 40 plus races this year. That's just crazy. See, to me, that's motivating. So there you go. Because <laughs> that takes a lot of uh, uh, self-determination and drive to put the car together, keep putting the car together. And then when it breaks, keep putting it together more and making it better and fixing it and tuning and testing and all the things during the race, taking notes, doing, you know, you're your own crew chief for the most part to you and your dad. So like, well, the only way that we won't hit all those races this year is if we either completely destroy the car or run out of money. So Hopefully the second one, hopefully neither one of them happened, but I'm hoping the second one happens before the first. Yeah, you and me <laughs> both. <laughs> but. but I don't know. At, at least a lot of the races you'll be at won't have like the, what is it? 57 people were at Marshalltown last weekend or whatever that place ours, is called. Yeah. So like the weekly races, I mean, we'll, the track I'm going to this weekend, I think they had, I think it was 18 stock cars Friday night. So. Roughly 20-ish cars on a weekly race, which is a good show still. Oh, yeah. 
that's more than one race here. Like we don't have, and I don't even know. We just had a hellacious like storm system go through. I don't know if Peavley still exists or not because there was a tornado that went through Peavley. Yeah. So. But <laughs> and I can't even say that the weekly race is that the competition is going to be any less because the competition in this class right now, they're everybody's fast. Like there's not a bad car in the class. So the same guys that you're running with at these big money shows, they all race weekly somewhere. And there's a 99.9% chance that we're going to run into them at a weekly race somewhere. So, but the opportunity to race a lot is much easier to do this year than it has been the last few years, which is really cool. It's nice because it's happening at the same time that you want to push into much bigger and better things. Yeah. Not that, you know, just not that the division you're in is, you know, not cool or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, it's not NASCAR. Right. It's not the truck series. It's not, you know, that big of a thing. But I mean, if you can start winning a bunch of races and start getting some good momentum in this class, you're going to turn some heads because this is one of the most popular dirt, dirt track classes in the country right now. Which is what? Why do you think that is? I think a lot of that is, is because you can still, you still got a lot of money in the cars. I mean, just mm-hmm. how it is, but they're still reasonable enough that if you know how to work on engines and you know something about race cars, you can still put a car together for pretty reasonable and they're pretty durable. Parts aren't too horrible price wise for them. The engines really aren't terrible and you can get a lot of nights out of them. And yeah, I think that's a lot of it is it's a, it's still expensive, but it's not as costly as like if you were to run a late model or a modified or a sprint car or anything like that. And there's just so many good paying races for them. Like there's a here in the Midwest, it's called the dirt crown series. It's mostly, I think it's mostly like Nebraska and they might even get to Colorado, but like some South Dakota and a couple races here in Iowa. I don't think there's a race on that schedule and it's all IMCA stock cars. I don't think there's a race on that schedule that pays under two grand. Wow. Really? Yeah. And it's like a 20 race schedule or something like that. So, I mean, the, the class is booming. The, it's got some of the best paying races. It's got some of the best drivers. I mean, it's just a really solid class right now. And the competition, the competition awesome. is insane. I mean, I was getting frustrated oh, yeah, because I feel like I should be running better than I was out at Marshalltown. Mm-hmm. But the cars I was up against, I wasn't up against any slouches. Everybody there was fast. All 57 cars had a legitimate shot of making the show like really good cars that did not make the show well i was watching it on i have my race pass an app that you can download so for those that want to watch any sort of dirt track racing or whatever from around the country you can download my race pass and if you want to follow tanner's races or excuse me anybody else's you can just find it on the map and just go start watching it. It's kind of crazy actually. Or flow racing is also becoming really popular, which is cool. Yeah. And a lot of places we run at, they actually are broadcasted weekly on flow. Like 
Weekly really? racing at Marshalltown's on flow. And I think nice. Davenport yeah. might be weekly on flow too. I'm not sure. That's freaking cool. Yeah, it's it's a good deal, but I mean it makes it so much easier for people to be able to watch. Yeah. I mean it kind of it kind of sucks because you're not getting as many people in the stands as you could, but it does make it easier for people that can't get there to still be able to watch the races. See, that's kind of where that's something that I wish that um NASCAR would do. Like now that we're talking about racing instead of running. <laughs> um Somebody, I forget who, who it was that brought this up. I was listening, either listening to a podcast or talking to somebody or watching a TikTok video. I don't remember which one it was, but they were correlating the average viewership of watching a race to uh, the median age that watches. And the median age that watches is the only people that have cable TV right now. Like, if you figure out, if you watch this little graph that this guy made up, it was the cable TV viewership drop-off versus uh, NASCAR popularity so-called drop-off. And it might literally just be because more and more people are doing watching like Flow or, you know, YouTube or streaming, you know, whatever you want to call it instead of download or instead of getting cable. Like my wife and I just decided we're not going to get cable. We've got everything we need on a couple of streaming, streaming services, YouTube and you know, stuff like that. And with an antenna, I can get the basic channels. I don't need to buy a service. Right. And that, that's what everything's going to anymore anyways is the streaming services. Like, I'm sure within the near future, it probably won't be, it probably won't be within the next, maybe within the next five years. But like when NBC takes over the broadcast for NASCAR, the second half of the season, half of their broadcast is on Peacock. Well, how yep. long until all of NASCAR is on a streaming service and it's no longer on the on cable? Well, you got to either adapt or die. So figure well, it out. Well, and like Flow Racing, so popular, but you can watch all sorts of different forms of racing every day, every night oh, of yeah. the week. There's all sorts of different races on all over the country. And they also have the Flow 24-7. So, like, if there's no racing going on, you can just click on Flow 24-7, and it's their live stream that never stops. And it just replays old races over and over and over. <laughs> there's That's several awesome. times that I'll be working in the shop or something, and I'll turn on Flow 24-7. And it, like, they play old Chili Bowl races. I mean, there's old late model races. There's recent stuff, super old stuff. I mean, everything. That would be cool. So, I would love to watch, you know, Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell back in the day getting after it in the outlaw cars. That was that was some fun stuff oh to yeah. watch. I mean, they play stuff like that all the time. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know the oldest races I've seen, but I th I'm pretty sure there's stuff from like the 70s and 80s that gets put on there. Just all old stuff. It's cool. Yeah. I don't know what it is about watching old racing. I know it's not better racing. I know that there's less competition, but I like it better for some reason, and I don't know why. It's because it was just raw horsepower and a bunch of guys that were fearless. Facts. If, if anybody's ever seen, like, go to Daytona USA and look inside some of the old cars or whatever, or go to Charlotte Hall of Fame, go look inside some of the old cars. 
I don't know of a lot of drivers today that would buckle up and say, all right, boys, we're going to get after it. There are very few that I think would actually go. Yeah, they got old bench seats, and they're sawed off halfway down the back, and they just got a lap belt. And they're going to go 200-plus at Daytona. (laughs) Yeah, with no power steering, no power brakes. It was all manual. You were literally living on a hope and a prayer the entire time. And back then, they were pretty much factory cars. They just souped them up. Yeah. For the most part, that's what, uh, uh, who was Richard Petty's crew chief? Uh, Dale Inman was talking about that on Dell Jr. Download, whenever, on mm-hmm. his episode. <clears throat> so if you want the key to running long distances, it's the Dale Jr. Download. Because every time I've ever done anything that's long distance, I plug in like four or five of my favorite episodes and I just listen. I listen to that stuff all the time. It makes my way and faster. And you get to learn and hear some cool stuff. Well, plus, it sounds super fucked up, but I was laughing during some parts. of the, If you had been watching me, you just thought that I was a psychopath. Because I was wa- laughing during some parts of the marathon. Because, like that, uh, who the fuck was it? Uh, Tony Fur or something, Fur yep. was on a couple weeks ago. That guy is hilarious. That was Some of the stories he was telling about, like, the breakaway jack stands and shit. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Or the lug nuts on the dash. <laughs> yeah. That's one that got me. I started laughing out loud. <laughs> or like they were telling the Earnhardt story about him uh, taking tires off of shit as they were. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he would like throw lug nuts above the truck or whatever and they'd hit yeah. you or something. And I was like, what the hell? Or Dale didn't have his driver's license until he was 31 yeah. or something. I was sitting there going, I don't care if that's true or not. That's hilarious. That just made my day. I was dying while I was running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, some of the stories them guys got is just insane. Even some of the guys that we've had on the show, oh, yeah. like some of the, you know, fix it, wrench it, you know, um, engineering, we'll call them engineering stories. Yeah. Ingenuity, stuff like that. Some of my favorite ones are, talking about people going to and from the track just because it was totally different than what it is now. They were like, they were huffing it, <laughs> huffing it back then. It was like, you find a tr- something with a trailer hitch that you think can pull the trailer with the race car to the track. Pray you make it there, win some money, get gas to get home and repeat the next week. Yeah. I mean, it was just so different. They was, literally raced to live back then. And that's what made it so good. Yeah. I think so too. I think it's pretty neat that they were able to. We had Ryan Dolan on the show and uh, they were talking about how there was guys working on the open trailer on the way to the track to get that engine put back together. Like that is insanity. (laughs) Like going 70 miles an hour down the highway. (laughs) You see some dudes wrenching on a car on the back of a trailer like, what's up man? How's it going? Yeah, hopefully you don't drop the 916th wrench. (laughs) No, it would. <laughs> Where'd the 10 millimeter go? Oh, it's somewhere about 60 miles <laughs> back that way. But yeah, it was just crazy how much different it was back then. But that's that's what makes it so cool. Oh, yeah. That's, I think that may be what does it for me the most about old, old races is I know that they were racing to eat and to put food mm-hmm. on the table and pay their bills and stuff like that. And I really, I want it to get back to that. I want short track racing to get back to the point where 
yeah, I can go build a car and I can go make a living doing this. And I don't got to worry about shit. I can just go race all day. Yeah, and nowadays to try and do it full time and make a living, I mean, it would have to completely be on someone else's bill. Mm-hmm. Unless yep. you just come 100%. from a ungodly amount of money, I don't know how you could afford to do it unless you got, I mean, you would have to have sponsors. You would have to have massive oh, yeah. sponsors to be able to strictly live off of racing full time. It would now, obviously if you're in like the Indy cars or the world outlaws or NASCAR or something like that, you're under contract. So you're actually making a living doing that. Just your regular yeah. weekend races and short track guys. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I don't know. You'd have to find all the big paying races and go win them all. Like just start checking them off the list or something. It would be, I think it would be far more challenging now than it ever was. Oh yeah. Well, there's a reason that like you and everybody else works a full time job and then races. A lot of those guys, it's a hobby. They're not gonna, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. They're not going to be racing in a bigger series. This is not going to happen. And they come to the realization of that and they know it, which is cool, but they use their, you know, their contractors or welders or, you know, pick your trade, whatever. Usually it's a trade job dude that has a race car hobby that just goes races on the weekend. And he uses his day job to pay for the Mm -hmm. racing hobby. And that's all they do. And back, you know, in the seventies and the eighties, you could actually live off of it. Which would be, if you told all those guys they could live off of racing, they would throw that shit. They, they'd be like, all right, peace, I'm going, I'm going racing full time. And that'd be Yeah, it. I mean, I'd be in the same boat. Same, I'd figure out a way. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, it's it's doable, but it's extremely difficult. I think it was uh, on Chip Ganassi's episode. That was a really um, good one. Of... He's a cool guy. I would love to have like I'd I'd love to just sit and talk to or just let him talk to me. I don't yeah. care. Like just to pick his brain about business and the way he does stuff and super smart guy, but he was talking about how it would be damn near impossible to um just live off of like what he does. It's almost impossible because you gotta do everything just right. You gotta spend the right amount of money here, yeah. save it here. Do this, do this, hire this driver, not hire this driver, hire this crew chief, let this one go. Like there's so many variables that go into that that equal the total sum of whether you are in the red or the black when it comes to doing that full time, which I just think it's nuts. And he's he, he's not just NASCAR. He's got, you know, what, IndyCar, he races IMSA, which is also NASCAR, but he's got a whole bunch of different crews and different total types of racing that he funds too out of that same job. I thought it was interesting how he, how he even said on there, like he has strictly made his living off of racing. Like that is his only job. He's not like Mr. H or, you know, Roger Penske is the, that man's worth like I think it's three billion dollars or something is what Roger Penske is worth because of his trucking companies and everything else. I don't even know what all he owns. I just know Penske Trucks as one of them. But good grief, Rick Hendrick's a billionaire. Like, 
Uh, Richard Childress, I don't think he's too far behind. I don't know what he owns, but he's not too far behind. He's done yeah. well. But, I mean, they're involved in several other things. I mean, Chip Ganassi has strictly done racing, and that's what he said. Yes. I think him and Joe Gibbs are really the only ones he said were in, like, the same boat. Because Joe just has his football money from when he was the Redskins head coach, winning Super Bowls and stuff. And other than that, it's just race cars. That's it's all they crazy. have. Yeah, well, that's why the team never started out that. Like, back in the 90s, the, you know, Joe Gibbs wasn't anything, really, compared right. to what they are now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all timing. Everything is timing. You just, things happen at the right time, and it's possible to make it happen. It's just extremely difficult. Oh, yeah. Well, um, this, it's a... A very little told. I think it's a story that should be told more often. But um, Hendrick Motorsports was one race away in the '80s from closing up shop. Like they were mm-hmm. done before that. They were talking about how it was. You know, 1984 was the last time the five car won at Martinsville, and it was the first win for Hendrick Motorsports. But they didn't really dive into the story behind that. If a few people don't come together to build that race car the way they did and Jeff Bodine doesn't win that race, we don't have the rest. Because Rick Hendrick was running out of money, and he was going to pull the plug on the team. Yeah, well, that's kind of... Before that race. That's kind of what they based Days of Thunder off of. Because they have that scene in there where they pretty much said, like, if we don't get a sponsor, we're done. Yeah, and it's the same deal. Which is... If you think about how many races, how many championships, the drivers, the people that have come through that shop, like we don't have a good part of racing history without that happening, which is insane. It's a weird thing to think about. Yeah. Well, it's just like if uh, Richard Childress doesn't kick out Ricky Rudd and bring in Dale Earnhardt Sr., we, who knows? Dale might have just been another dude, like in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, it's, I don't know, the history of the sport is just incredible. Yeah. But like you said, it's all about timing, which is what I always go with my gut feeling on stuff. If I feel like something is, it's time to do it, then it's time to do it. Shit or get off the pot, go freaking do it. Because if you don't pivot, do it now, you're going to miss the boat. Just like what I was talking about earlier with selling the house, I used the same logic that I used whenever I was buying and selling classic cars all the time for another, a different company I worked for. And, you know, we were going with the waves of what was hot, what was not the, you know, the markets, the, um, the people, the people, the trends of how people were buying cars and all sorts of other stuff. And it's the same concept. If you want to do anything, just do a little bit of research. You can predict the future. It's not that damn hard. Like I can, I can tell you right now the next five hot cars in the classic car market just because I pay attention to it. It's it's not that hard to do. You just gotta learn and figure out the trends, and once you see them happening, capitalize yeah. on it. Or you go off of your gut. Usually, your gut's right. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of the deciding factor. I was real hesitant on going into this class this year, anyways. Not that I was intimidated by it or anything like that i just it was so far out of the norm 
of what we've done. And mm-hmm. I just kind of really sat down and looked at all the potential that there is with this class, with all the good pan races and the competition and stuff. It just, it felt like the right thing to do at the moment. And here yep. we are. Right now you're what? You're four races in. Your car's getting better. I feel like you're going to... I'm going to just say within the next three to four races, you guys get a W just because I know how you guys are. And I just think that's inevitable anyways. I'm really hoping so. We are way, way overdue. Oh, yeah. Well, plus, I mean, we've talked to your dad on the show before. The guy is a... Between you and him, there's a lot of mechanical genius going on <laughs> right there. So there's not a doubt in my mind you guys will pick up a W here pretty soon. And once you're once you get hot, stay hot. Like you guys keep tuning on that thing and keep making it faster, you might start stacking. Yeah, well, you know what I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal for sure. It's just being a completely new car, and we've never raced this class before, so trying to learn what adjustments do what like we just made a very minor adjustment between thursday and friday night at marshalltown and i mean the car was night and day different the track really wasn't any different but just the handling of it was night and day different yeah because you were saying that this was our um, racing weekly racing meeting i guess we could call it earlier you were saying it was really it was plowing real it was, bad. It was incredibly tight, tight and for some reason, everything I tried wasn't working. Like I felt like I was five seconds off the pace, which I really wasn't that far off the pace. But in the car, I yeah. just I felt like I was way out to lunch. And I felt, I honestly, I felt like if I was a fan in the stand watching, they would look at me and think, like, I definitely should not be out there because the way it was driving... I mean, I was missing my marks left and right. I could not get the car to turn. I was shooting straight up the track. I mean, I felt like I looked like a complete rookie out there. And that that bothered me really, really bad. I could tell in the call earlier, too. It's bothering you talking about it again. Well, (laughs) a lot of that is because I have a super high standard for myself, and I know where I should be. But it just... I don't know. Sometimes that's how racing goes. It's just everything works against you instead of for you. <laughs> and well, it's a it's a very humbling thing to do because you could be super fast, like what Junior talks about all the time. They'll be super fast for you know three or four weeks in a row, and then all of a sudden they're eleventh place. And they're like, "What the hell happened? What did we miss? What did we do?" And it's not that you got slower; everybody else yeah, just got yeah. faster. That's that's and, why I don't walk around with a big head or anything like that. I don't I don't no. get cocky or anything like that because racing has a good way of humbling you very quick. Yes it and, does. Ask yeah, anybody. I mean I I didn't need to be humbled by any means, but it was a very humbling moment moment knowing like man, we have got some serious work to do. We think we are even remotely yeah. going to compete with these guys. So what, just because I'm curious, in, on that stock car, what is the suspension set up like on one of those? So we're at, we actually have, so, it's a Ford 9-inch rear end. 
and we have okay. the stock trailing arms on it. Yep. The oh, two really? uppers and two lowers. Oh, that's awesome. So those are, I didn't know those are trailing yep. arm suspension. That's cool. Uh, you can run, they make aftermarket trailing arms that you can get, but we had the ones that came with the car that we bought when we gutted it and skinned it. I mean, it, they were in good shape, so, and it was cheaper. We already yep. had them. All we needed was the bushings. Yeah, they're not. That's a very, I love that suspension design. That's the same suspension setup that trailing arm rear end that's on like a 60 set. It's on a 61 to 72 mm-hmm. Chevy trucks too. You can get that set up on there. It was on trailing arm setups are super common on race cars. I'm pretty sure the Xfinity and the truck series still run them. Cup went to, you know, the next gen thing, but they've run that setup for ever. And it's so fun to set up. Yeah, and it's a pretty simple concept, really. I mean, there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. of adjustment. I mean, you can adjust your rear, left rear and no. right rear springs. Uh, you can adjust the screw jacks, obviously. And then yeah. you can move your left rear and right rear trailing, lower trailing arm up and down. That yeah, and that's pretty move, much it. Moving lead back and forth to distribute weight differently but i mean that's that's it a lot of those are your a lot of what am i trying to say with a lot of those setups your main gain or what i found a lot with is the front suspension setup and then just raising that thing up and down like that's pretty much yeah pretty i mean much we it. have our uh, after the first time we scaled it we have our ride heights that we go off of so we make an adjustment we try yeah. to keep it close to that but I mean, there's really not much to it, but one whole difference on the right rear is what changed my car. What did you guys do? We moved our right rear trailing arm down. Oh. And <laughs> we, where we had it is where we thought we needed to be for a slick track, but... Mm-hmm it wasn't working. Like, I mean, that thing was like driving a dump truck. It was terrible. I mean, the car would drive, I couldn't get the car to, I couldn't get the tail end to come out coming into the corner. It would just go in straight. And then even when I tried to either stab the brake or romp on the throttle to try and get the tail end to come out, the front wheels would just skate straight up the track and it killed me every single lap. And all we did was move that trailing arm one hole, and it brought the car to life. That's awesome. See, that's what that's what I like about this kind of stuff too. And you guys are going to get the reps this year too, where you know you're going to find something like that. Oh yeah, by the end every of the season, week. I mean that car's probably going to be a rocket. I mean oh, yeah. we're we're not even a month in, and we got four races in. So I mean we got a lot of time to make the car much faster that and I'll get more comfortable. And that was the biggest thing that threw me through the loop Thursday night out there is I just, I was so uncomfortable. Like, like last Mm -hmm. weekend at Tipton for the two day show, I wasn't ever uncomfortable. Like it was comfortable. Our setup was really close. And obviously that was my first and second night race in that class. So, I mean, I was just kind of, learning as we went but it wasn't uncomfortable yeah 
And I don't know. It's crazy how just one little adjustment can change a car that much. Oh, yeah. It's freaking wild. It was the same way with the trucks whenever we were doing, whenever I was doing that. Like, especially one of the tracks where we could never fight. It was always fighting tight was Iowa and Kentucky. I don't know. Still, to this day, don't understand why, how, or, you know, whatever. I think it was actually just the chassis that we had that was not cooperating with the way that, you know, Justin's driving style was or the way the track was at that time or whatever. But I would, I would so much rather him have said, yeah, we're just like crazy loose. I can't steer this thing. Cool. Fine. I can figure that out and adjust for that. But tight race cars are a pain in the ass to figure out. I like, I don't like a, a super loose car, but I'm kind of a fine line between a neutral the more on the loose side car because I would much rather try to tighten it up. When you start when you start oh, yeah. tight, you're just you can, tight. Yeah. Well then you also you're overcorrecting, you're not, you know, you're plowing through the center of the corner, so you got more steer in it. You got a whole bunch of other factors going that, in that are affecting, you know, how, how you get back on the straightaway yeah, or doing whatever. A lot harder. I would much rather yeah. have the car do most of the work for me, which is which, <laughs> as what everybody well, that, else. That's, just, that's how the fast guys are. The car does it for them. I mean, you yeah in dirt racing, yep. rear steer is a huge thing. And oh, yeah. when you're fighting to create rear steer, you're losing a lot of time. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, it's no different. It's the same concept as. If you watch the Martinsville race this weekend, they were talking about rotating the center of the corner. That's the car doing the work for you. If you're rotating the center of the corner, you get, get, get that thing rolled back around and then get straight coming off. And that's how guys get fast at Martinsville is just by doing that. And the guys that are fighting tight through the center of the corner, those are the guys that you see their car jut up half a lane when you hit that apex and they can't get back to the throttle and they lose. A yeah. Shit and I mean, that was partially why I couldn't get any forward bite coming out of the corner either is because it, I was fighting so hard to get the car to free up by the time mm-hmm. I'm on the straightaway. I got no, I got no grip. It just, yeah. And it was weird because in turn three and four there, it wasn't terrible. It still wasn't good because it was still getting tight in the middle, but one and two, I mean, it yeah. was bad. Like I haven't, I haven't felt that bad in a car in a really long time. And if you were to go back and watch the video, you, most people wouldn't think it looks that bad. It, it, it but, was, I mean, yeah. it just, I don't know. I just, part of it was, it was my first time there. So trying to learn the new track and there was a hole in turn one and two both nights, but Turn one and two Thursday night. I mean, that was, if we were taking score, turn one and two won by like 400 points. And I was like negative. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it kicked my butt bad. Well, that's just the way it goes. It's amazing. Even on, you know, people don't think dirt track, you wouldn't think a dirt track is that different from one end of the course to the other. And, Almost every single one of them, it's like two different corners. 
I don't. It seems think like it's crazy. Such thing as a track having two corners that are the same. I don't. <clears throat> I don't think. I really. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't even care if it's asphalt. Like they, for whatever reason, it reacts completely different. And it's just, it blows my mind because there's, you hear it on the radios on, if you listen to NASCAR races, excuse me, all the time, people will say, yeah, plowing through one and two, good through three and four. Okay, what's different about, it's supposed to be the same track, right? Like the whole way around, but it isn't. Yeah, and I mean, in dirt track, then you have all the other variables of, of different parts of the track where there's still some bite or it's completely slicked off or it's super rutted up and rough or it's chunking out or there's crumbs and marbles. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of yeah. shit that goes on at dirt tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like, but- there's just, there's a lot. The guys that maintain the tracks play a, bigger role than what anybody would ever know in who comes out on top of but the races. It was a really good learning weekend. I mean, it, it sucks. Cause I didn't, I didn't go in there with the expectation that we were going to be running for the win of the show. Cause there's 57 cars there that have a shot of winning it. So, but I was hoping, I was hoping we were going to be a little better, but with a new car, new class, new track. I mean, it's hard to set the expectations too high because we're still learning, but we yeah. got a lot of good notes. We made several changes and now we know we have a baseline to go off the next time we're there. So it was a good learning weekend. I mean, the car stayed in one piece Friday night. I mean, I, I got sixth in the heat race, I think, and seventh in the B main, but it wasn't like I was half a lap behind in sixth or seventh. Like we were all bunched yeah. up. There was lots of good passing, lots of good racing. I mean, this, uh, the number 14 car, I can't remember the guy's name in the B main, him and I ran side by side. We were separated by like inches in the corners and we never touched that. Oh, that's when you awesome. To race like that. <laughs> it is so much fun. Because, you know, you both are thinking, like, I'm not going to touch you, but if you touch, we're going to touch. But, I mean, right. we went back and forth for, like, three laps. And you set that car in there sideways, and you're literally, you can, it feels like his door is touching your door. But you're not touching at all. <laughs> so, we had some good racing, made really good laps. We're getting things to go the right yeah. direction. It just—it's all going to take time. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, like, next four races, I'm going to say you get a W because that'll be enough time that you guys will have. Like, you know, what do we do if the car's doing this? All right, well, we need to turn this up, turn this down, put this spring in, do whatever. And I—I I don't know. I don't think it's going to be long. I sure That's all I got to say. I I am beyond <laughs> ready for a win. So Yeah, I get that. I uh it's weird how competitive I didn't realize I was until I started doing stuff and doing stuff has made me just want to keep getting Ws in whatever way that happens. I don't really care. Like I just want to go out and 
finish yeah. first. Well, and whatever I mean, if I do. you look at racing as a whole, there's a lot of really good drivers that don't win that often. Like there, oh yeah, thousands of drivers well, that are some of the best in the country, and they don't have very many wins. No. Well, I mean, look at the just for relative, yeah, relative yeah. terms. Look at the Cup Series, yeah. like how competitive that is. Their guys, like, I don't remember last time Chase won a race. Couldn't tell you. Well, I don't I know mean, which one it was. Look at Eric Jones. Eric Jones, incredibly talented driver. Yeah. And he's got what three Cup wins? Yeah, something like that. I mean, look at the freaking uh, all-time win list, how packed it is up until you start hitting, like, 25 or something total cup career wins. And then it starts, you start getting into the, you know, the Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Jarrett, Bobby Labonte, you know, mm-hmm. you start going up the list or whatever. And it's just amazing to me. 21 wins in the cup series of racing. When you compare it to, you know, Richard Petty or Jeff Gordon that have, you know, 293, right. it doesn't seem like a lot. But whenever you compare it to how many drivers have raced in cup series that have never won a race or won like two or something, it, there, it's a stupid number. <laughs> it's not chartable. There's just and that's too why many, they call like, it racing and not winning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because to, to, to get that, to get that W in any racing series, even if you're racing at the same, like, if I had a car and I went to Peavley every weekend, who, who the hell knows? Like I could go six weeks without getting a win or whatever, and then click off three or something. You just, you never know when the first yeah, or the last just, one is going to come. It's part of it. It's incredibly difficult to win a race. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's like anything else. It's got to be good to win. You got to put oh, a yeah. lot of work in to stay winning. So, but, no, looking forward to it. We got one race this weekend. So nice. We'll have to see what the rest of the month looks like, but Friday night for sure and we'll go from there. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. It turns out well. I don't know what I or forgot what track Junction you said you're going weekend. to. Where are you going? Been twelve years since we've been there, so Oh. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's been that long. I just, I can't imagine. I don't know. I, it's a good thing that I'm not a race car driver because it would eat up every ounce of thought of my brain all the time. It's, yeah. (laughs) Cause I just know how I get with certain things like, uh, building the business you people that know me would say that i'm kind of obsessed with you know learning and watching videos and trying to soak up as much information as possible bugging people that you know i've met that know way more than i do that i'm like hey what do you what do you think about this what do you think about that watching you know more videos and being like oh how can i flip cars doing this how can i do this i wonder what would happen if i went to this you know facility that's being built across the road and just developed a relationship it, it's amazing oh, yeah. I mean, where I've- your brain goes I find it all the time when you're work, doing this kind of I'll stuff. I'll just randomly think of something that we should have tried or that we need to try, and I'll text dad or vice versa. Like last year after the Chili Bowl, <laughs> I did absolutely terrible at the Chili Bowl last year. Just I messed up in my heat race on my qualifying night, and that's the most important race of the week. Anyways, um, we made. 
Yeah, we made the car. Not that you think about it. Car better. <laughs> but like two weeks later, my dad called me, and it was super random, like at nine or ten o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the week or something. And he's like, you know, he said, I think we should have dropped down to like four and a half inches of stagger for the K main down there at the Chili Bowl. I was like, you know, we probably should have, but that would have been really good like two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> that would have been great in the moment, but now that doesn't help. Anymore. But, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, you think about it nonstop. Yes, that's exactly how my brain – you just described in a perfect way how my brain works about a, about a lot of stuff. If we have – if we have a meeting, this is going to sound bad. If we have a meeting at work or something, or like with the SEMA group that I'm in or something like that, I'll be silent for the majority of the meeting, just soaking in the information. And then at the very end, this happens almost every time, I just start chattering like a motherfucker. Just like, you know, we should do this. We should take that idea, do this, blah, blah, blah. It's like the lights <laughs> click on finally and yeah. stuff just starts happening. And I'm like, why can't I get my yeah. brain to do well, this any I faster mean, that, than that's this? That's how I am at work too. I'll be working on something and then something that I really need to be paying attention on. Like I'll just have a light bulb go off for something racing related. And I completely forget what I'm even doing at work. And then I'm like, huh, <laughs> I should probably get back into what I was doing. <laughs> yes. I have pages of notebooks that I have taken and written stuff down while I'm at work about, you know, different ideas or uh, how to reach certain people or Facebook campaign things or like marketing tactics or something for detailing cars that I'll write down. And then I'll go back to what I was doing and I'm like, radio silence. What is this? <laughs> yeah. You just, you just sit there and think about it for a minute. You're just going, I have no idea what I was doing now. So I'll just get up and go get a water and come back. It's like a reset. I'll get up, go get a water, come back to my desk. And I'm like, I oh, would, okay, this is what I was doing. All right. Plug in my I headphones and get back to it. The way my brain works, most people don't understand. And I probably wouldn't want someone to go through what I go through in a day in my head. Cause it's madness. No, everybody looks at the stuff that I do and they're like, man, I wish I had come up with that. That people call me smart. I'm like, no, I'm the dumbest motherfucker you've ever met in your life. You just don't realize it yet. You know how hard it is for me to think of good ideas and don't understand. <laughs> Everything is hard for me. You don't get it. Like this seemed easy because it took, you know, the gears finally coming off the rust belt inside here to get and then going, and then thing, something once happened. Once that train gets rolling, it doesn't stop. It's oh no, it's bad. Especially if, yeah, if I get like, especially the SEMA meetings that I'm in are the worst because they're not, they're not bad meetings. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like I'll stay radio silent for a little bit, listening to everybody talk about their ideas or you know how we can uh, fight the RPM Act or how we can do this with California's EPA regulation. You know, just all the stuff that they do and. All of a sudden, it's like, ding, 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 ding. You have won a grand prize. You're about to listen to Eric rant for five minutes nonstop. Yep. Because <laughs> that's what happens. I'll, I'll say one thing, and then that leads into an infinite amount of information <laughs> that I didn't even know was in there. And it just comes out. 
regurgitates. And I'm like, fuck, where did all this shit come from? And why wasn't it there hey, when we were actually talking about it? Sometimes the hamster needs a little encouragement to get rolling. But once it rolls, it's rolling. <laughs> I'm convinced that my hamster is like fucking Frankenstein. And he's got to be electric, electric shocked back into life. <laughs> but once he's up, he is up. Oh, yeah. Like I said earlier, it's probably a good way to end it. We're the same, but different. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna say not gonna say what, because I don't think we're allowed to anymore on, you know, recorded yep. things or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> just just yes. So next week we promise that we will cover Actually, you know what? This might just be the show from now on. Just, you know, we'll incorporate racing as we watch it, but other than that Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I'm going to have, I'll have plenty of my <laughs> own race and stuff that we can share, but I think Absolutely. just going with the flow with the well, show is probably going to be the best way to go. It's, it's so hard to go off of a strict structure because like this time of year, I mean, it's, it's really hard for us to be able to catch all three races. Yeah, well, and I also, like, I would, ra if I'm going to pay attention, I would rather turn on Flow or uh, Mav TV or do something like that and follow, really pay attention and give light to the, the dirt track guys, the asphalt guys, all the short track racing that goes around the country, um, rather than regurgitate and talk about the same thing, you know, that somebody from Door Bumper Clear or Junior or, you know, Corey LaJoy show the pen is yeah. stacking pennies. I think it's what, that's what it is. Like those guys are living it. They're in it. They're doing that on a weekly basis. They can, they have infinite information. And all when we it comes can give you is kind of what stuff. we hear and what we Whereas, see on TV. Exactly. And sometimes I don't feel like that's valuable as bad as that sounds. Sometimes I just feel like I'm regurgitating the same things that like, Brett Griffin says on Doorbell for Clear, and it's like, I just said it in a different way. Congratulations. That's great. But what value does that bring? Whereas if I told you that my buddy Drew that races at Peavely down the road won a couple weeks ago in his stock yeah. car, that's actually pretty cool. Like, or whenever you get your W, we can talk about that amongst all the other Ws you can get this year. I'm wanting there to be so many that I'm not going to say his name on the show, but you can call that guy about in the truck series and just be like, hey, and basically just put your dick on the table and be like, I just knocked off 20 wins this year. I'm in. Just announce you're in. Don't even take no for an answer. Just be like, well, we're in. anything is possible. <laughs> just got to keep working towards it. We'll get it figured out. It just yeah. takes time. Oh yeah, so everything does. I don't. I won't be good at doing anything I'm going to do the first time. It's not going to happen. It's impossible unless you're just right. naturally crazy gifted at everything. It, that 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 is not this guy. I, everything I know is through a lot of frustration, <laughs> trial, error, pretty cussing. Much. That pretty much sums it up. And then really fucking up in one way, shape, or form or another. So, yeah. There's the magic secret. I mean, I I beat myself up bad. 
Thursday night. And then Friday was a new day, and things were on the complete other yeah. end of the spectrum. So it's just the ebbs and flows of That's how it goes. racing. That's just how it is. But yep, no, it should be a good week. It's going to be kind of nice not having to be completely balls of the walls all week long, but we'll uh, we'll go race Friday night and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> Think I'm being. No, it's all good. <laughs> There's an hour and a half of us gambling. <laughs> Yeah, everything from marathons to how to, you know, yeah, not suck at racing. So there you go. Depends on what night we're talking about. Covered it all. <laughs> hey, the fact that you're out there doing it, it put there's a I forget who said this, but you should never ever listen to the people that are not willing to put themselves out there on the field and play the game. There's a reason that there's people playing the game and there's yep. a reason there's people in the stands. So don't listen to the chatter from the people that are in the stands. Nope. Not- Doesn't matter. You know, take that. Denny Hamlin's a perfect example of that. He does not give a no, fuck what anybody in the stands says. <laughs> and I think it is awesome. I'm actually starting to become a fan. I never thought I'd say that. But he's starting to win me over. Like listening to his show and then just how outspoken he's been the past couple of years. I'm like, yep. Well, on that note, before like this we guy. get off here, you need to listen to the one that he just posted today because he talks about horsepower. He's very vocal bringing the horsepower back. Oh, yes, yes. All right. Well, on that note, everybody listen to Denny Hamlin's show, and before you do that. Instagram Tanner, what is, is your Instagram at underscore handle? Tanner Allen underscore. Then you can also follow me on Facebook at Tanner Allen Racing. Sweet. And also, if you would be so kind, give us a follow at First Gear Podcast on any of our social media platforms, which will be firing back up this week. I'm the captain of cars everywhere. You'll see First Gear Garage start pop, popping up everywhere, too. We've got a lot of shit going on. Yep. But it's 830 and we got to go. So we'll catch you guys later.